You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. So I'm basically Rudy Giuliani at this point. If you slap me on the back, I'm charging you for assault. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Cura. That's Grey yeah. Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted and in! And it's over! Ready, set, And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. Should let you know we got some cool things brewing with the podcast over the next several weeks here. Next week, after the Canada Day long weekend, Victor Cui, the president of the Edmonton Elks, will be joining the show. And then a few weeks after that, the great Ricky Ray, one of the newest inductees into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, will be coming on to and out. Looking forward to talking to those two gentlemen with significant green and gold bias to uh, both of them. Although, got to talk some double blue with Ricky Ray because this year is the 10th anniversary of the 100th Grey Cup, believe it or not. <laughs> People are going to think that we're... Uh changing alliances here people already are yeah that's fair i have been to more elks games in the last few years than rider games so yeah. i've also made it very known how much i hate the riders yeah as a fan and <laughs> <laughs> they, they never let you down gently never no no <laughs> go into the store to get smokes <laughs> And never come back. Never come back. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Life as a business owner can be hectic to say the least. Alberta Blue Cross understands that. So they offer flexible health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Even better, you can let your staff enroll and manage their coverage at any time and on any device. That makes life easier for them and for you. You've got this when it comes to group coverage for your small business and Alberta Blue Cross has your back. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. All right, Ty, week three started with a... A tough one. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes beating down the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 37-13. No Vernon Adams Jr. for Montreal. No problem. Maybe the problem was Dan Clark, and maybe he was that team's MOP all along. <laughs> uh, you're telling me that a guy that touches the ball in every play is important to the way a team functions? I don't believe you. <laughs> well, okay. So the Riders were... A part of the last game in week two in mm-hmm. Edmonton, traveling across the country, and then got to go play Montreal. We look at this week, BC, the last Goes game of Ottawa. week three, and they travel across the country in the first game Thursday night against Ottawa. So we'll see how BC handles that. They also had some veterans get hurt oh. during uh, that game as well. I mean, Nothing went right for the Riders um, on, in any phase of the game. I mean, you could say that 
Like Trevor Harris did not have to be spectacular. No, and no, nobody on Montreal had to be spectacular. They didn't. Um, it, it was like when a hockey team has 50 shots and every shot hits the goalie's chest, you make them look good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Um, but I mean, the riders went into it, looked like a team that had lost their starting center, looked like a team that was on a short week on the road across the country and played mm-hmm. like it, mm-hmm. you know, and just, and, and how do you practice with four days? It's just, it's a lot of, you know, rehabbing those nagging injuries and a lot of film time, not a lot of on field stuff. So, I mean, it was an easy pick them. I overthought it and bet on the riders like an idiot, but um, you know, the gut feeling was Montreal all along just because of that schedule. And the, the riders have turned football into a four phase game. Now <laughs> their special teams, offense, defense, and friggin' discipline. Another basically free football field given away yeah. here. 11 penalties for 106 yards. Montreal, in comparison, four for 40. And over the past few years, that's been sort of an issue in Montreal. But it's four for 40. If you're doing that week in, week yeah. out, you're laughing. Yeah, you're not, you know, you might start behind the chains a couple times or, you know, but I mean, 40 yards, you're not giving up those big chunks on defensive passing interference and stuff like that. You're, you're setting your offense up for success. Yeah. Yeah. Shaq Evans, uh, another veteran rough rider goes down, fractured mm-hmm. ankle. He's out six to eight weeks. Now they got to keep Duke as healthy as possible here. And he's, he's been limited in practice. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. It's just, it's starting to snowball. It doesn't take long for those injury issues to nope. rear their ugly heads in a football season. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see where the Owls – like, Harris was 16 for 22, 262 yards, a touchdown. I mean – Harris is starting. Yeah, that's that's the question. Is Harris getting the ball I, going forward here? And I, I don't think COVID – or Burton Adams Jr. getting COVID had anything to do with Trevor Harris starting this week. I think when they took him out after the first quarter, I think it was Harris's job. Last week in week two, I, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that was a done deal. I think and the way he played, like you know, wasn't anything spectacular, like you said, but he played better than Burton Adams Jr. And you look at it like yeah, he has that security blanket when there isn't a guy like Trevor Harris behind him where he can work through stuff. But with the, we talked about it last week with the contract situations in Montreal, whether it be players or coaches, they're in win-now mode. So they don't have that leash to let Vernon Adams Jr. figure it out. If you're Kahari Jones, you gotta you got to start winning football games. The biggest – well, I think the biggest thing that made the difference here was uh, special teams. And uh, Chandler Worthy may, maybe had his best – I mean, game in the CFL. Well, I mean, the guy's had talent. He's had mm-hmm. off and on career with Toronto, and I felt like kind of like McLeod Bethel-Thompson kind of got the short end of the stick a little bit. I always thought yeah. that he had talent, but he had an 88-yard kickoff return to start the game, so then <laughs> everything just went downhill for Saskatchewan yeah. there. He, he had a 41-yard uh, punt return. He had over 200 yards in return yards. He only had... Seven returns. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you texted me about it in that third and short. They probably should have went for it. Like, at, at what point do you stop kicking to him? 
Yeah. You're, nothing Nothing was working. There were a few returns where the net punt was like, there was one that was four yards. It was yeah. like, why are we kick? Yeah. Just run a sneak and give him the ball. It's not doing anything. Well, and, and against guys like that, I'm okay giving up 15 yards every time if you can punt it deep enough. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Negate the big, negate the chance for a big return, take the 15 yards and move on. They couldn't, I mean, Saskatchewan couldn't run the ball. Uh, The backup Frankie Hickson had more carries than Jamal Morrow. And a a lot of, there was a lot of hype on Jamal Morrow going into this, this week Mm -hmm. leading the CFL in combined yards. I, I know he returns kicks, as well, he had four kickoff returns in this one, averaging around 24 yards a kickoff return, but only four carries on the ground. He only had two catches on three targets. So even that part was, I think, a bit disappointing for mm-hmm. uh, fantasy owners. But the, the rider offense, I think, just in general, was pretty yeah. disappointing. And Cody Fajardo was... He got sacked seven times, and a lot yeah. of that is on, you know, the quarterback too. But once you start getting hit a few times, hey, a guy starts to get panicky, and that's part yeah. of the game. Yeah, you get one or two big licks, and you, yeah. know, you get you get the happy feet, and you, you start scrambling a lot earlier. You start, you know, just pulling the ball down and, and trying to make something when you don't need to. Um, I mean, that's just human nature, right? It's hard to – to coach it out of a guy um, on Jamal Morrow. Do you think that maybe the limited uses was limited usage was due to it being such a short week? Could have been. Like, I'm just, I, I don't know. He's been Nothing touching the ball a lot. Anyway. So. Nothing was really working yeah. for that offense, but I just wonder, if, I don't know if it was maybe supposed to be this slow, but I just wonder if it was by design to try to mitigate any pending disasters on a short week. Kean Schaefer Baker, eight catches on 10 targets for 53 yards. Duke Williams, four of nine for 101 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that covers the Ryder game. Uh, we, we go to uh, Montreal side. Kayon Julian Grant, a 70 yard touchdown, two catches, 75 yards and a TD. Uh, Tyson Philpot, the big 66-yard play. It's cool to see the rookie get into the action. Eugene Lewis, four catches, five targets for 68 yards. And Reggie White Jr., of course, no touchdown. Jake in this matchup, four catches, six targets for 21 yards. I look at my fantasy lineup. I had Reggie White Jr. in there. There was a touchdown grab that was kind of off the hands. Uh, <laughs> that would have changed his fantasy week, but that's the game too. Yeah, I mean, we both had... <laughs> we had the exact same score and only, I think, three overlapping positions. So Yeah, our fantasy picks this week <laughs> left a lot to be desired. <laughs> to say the and least. I, I was I was like, I was like Ryan from Horseman. I, I had one, two... Stampeder heavy. I had I had five oh. Stampeders. <laughs> it worked out well for me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad. Well, Jesher and uh, Antwi only had 10 mm-hmm. carries for 45 yards. Double-digit carries is good. Uh, he, he did have three catches for 10 yards. But it just showed, like, the Alouette's offense was, like, average. They, they, yeah. They only had... The one touchdown, and they won mm-hmm. 
far from ideal if you're the Riders right now. I honestly wonder what these next 68 weeks look like without Shaq and without possibly Dan Clark for that entire time, too. It could get ugly. Mark Antoine DeCroix should say he had a short interception return for a touchdown, the safety Mm -hmm. for the Alouettes. So, I mean, there you go on that game. A lot um, is going to be said about both teams when they play again this week in Regina. Yep. So that Canada Day matchup, (laughs) I think it'll show, hey, what are the riders actually made of and what are the Owls actually made of here? Is that the Friday game? Yeah. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I have an 11 a.m. tea time in Red Deer. This, it's going to be a long day. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's going to be a real long day. <laughs> hey, those two teams played on Canada Day back in 2010. We'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, that kind of performance can happen oh. again. Friday night in Winnipeg, the Blue Bombers have a 26-12 win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Here the stamps are, or the Tiger Cats are, 0-3. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, I, I they, they had the Bombers playing quite ugly, and it was kind of an ugly game. Everybody's done that. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. They've only played two teams. But, I mean, they haven't looked... Like world beaters, their their defense looked like last year in 2019 mm-hmm. to me. Though they, they've looked as good as they have this season, uh, the Tie Cats and I marked this down at the end of the first half. They had a real opportunity to go into halftime with a nice little lead. They had the ball inside Winnipeg territory, end up missing a field goal. And then the very next play, an interception by Richard Leonard. Great field position in Winnipeg's end again. And they only came away with three points. So two possessions inside Winnipeg's end. And you come away with three points at the end of the first half. What is this, the Elks offense like <laughs> in the West Final? <laughs> if you, it's It just, when you're playing Winnipeg, every single opportunity that you get you better make yeah. sure that you're closing out because in this yep. one anyway, they go into halftime, and when they came out in the third quarter, it looked like the Bombers of – it looked yeah. like the Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about it in the Calgary-Edmonton game as well, but yeah. the good teams don't miss those opportunities very often Yeah, when when they get the opportunities that the Ticats had. Not saying the Ticats aren't a good team. Right. They haven't, they haven't won a championship, though. The championship teams don't don't let those go to waste very often. Yeah. Um, you know, with with the guys that are gone now in Hamilton, I think it's a little bit of a, a little bit of growing pains. Um, you know, Don, we saw uh, the Donnaissance last year. He hasn't played a lot. Sean Thomas Rankin's now getting the ball for the carries, but still, they haven't adjusted their offense at all. They're not running the ball, and teams have figured it out. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big part of it. Well, if they only run the ball six times, go ahead, let Dane Evans throw it 40 to 50 times, and we'll just, you know, send four or five guys and have enough guys back in coverage. Mm-hmm. And Winnipeg is a team that with that defensive line, that front four, you can send four and it's you're just fine. <laughs> it's like a blitz. <laughs> yeah. Well, Willie and- Jefferson is three men. 
<laughs> and you talk about the end of the first half where Hamilton had those opportunities. Winnipeg, they they were down, you know, nine six or whatever six, it was. Yeah. And they have a 59-yard drive on five plays. A, a big catch mm-hmm. to Greg Ellingson, a big play to Nick Dembski, and Oliveira ends up finishing the drive for the touchdown. Those touchdowns at the end of a half. It, it's like it scoring ha- a goal in the last minute. It happened. Calgary did it to Edmonton. Just a yep. dagger at the end of the first half, and you come out in the third quarter, and it just carries over. Flat. Yep. Yeah. Flat. Yeah. And I believe the Tie Cats were worth without, uh, you know, offensive lineman Brandon Revenberg, one of the best mm-hmm. Canadian linemen in the CFL. And I think they felt that here. Yeah. Dane Evans has taken a beating in these first three games. And, you know, you look at the two defensive lines that he's gone up against, it's not surprising. Um, Maybe a little bit surprising because of what we've seen from that Hamilton offensive line in the last two seasons that we've had. Yeah. Um, and maybe, I, I just don't know, but I, that is going to catch up to them too. You're getting, you're getting hit that much and that pressured that much. It'd be really hard to, to not only win football games, but to keep your quarterback healthy. And, and they don't have Jeremiah Masoli there. Yeah. Where, yeah. where they have that, that, you know, that security blanket uh, if something does happen. So, they got to figure that out too. Sean Thomas Erlington only had the six carries. Sometimes it appears like the Thai Cats kind of treat the short passes as their running game, mm-hmm. but they, they they didn't really get that going either in this one. I had Stephen Dunbar in my fantasy lineup, which most weeks probably is a good pick. He had fifteen targets. Only converted on six of those. I'd call them 16 <laughs> targets, but he had one from Big Hill. Ooh. This week might be the most physical week of CFL football in a long, long time. That the, hit. From, the, the quiet and, room was busy. <laughs> and clean hits. There wasn't yep. any, you know, putting the, your head into somebody's throat or anything like that that mm-hmm. hit from big hill was complete form tackling and just yep. a big linebacker hitting a receiver trying to get the tough catch like yeah I, whoa at some at some point the quarterbacks have to figure it out too yeah throwing your guys in a position to get, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah you're putting your receiver in that position to get absolutely smashed as well that is yeah. a good point. The Bombers still unable to really establish a dominant run game. They had 15 carries to Oliveira. I mean, Hamilton's tough to run against. We'll have to mm-hmm. have to acknowledge that. So uh, Oliveira only had 56 yards, but he did have the touchdown. Uh, Johnny Augustine only had two carries in this one for three yards. So. Yeah. They couldn't really get it going either way here. We'll see what what's going to – eventually, you're just going to beat up defenses and hopefully break them down as the, yeah. as the game goes on anyway. But uh, it's been a different sort of run game mm-hmm. that we've been getting used to from the Blue Bombers. Yeah, it's not that 
super physical run game that we've seen from Andrew Harris in the, in the past. Um, and it's not exactly a finesse running game either. Um, yeah. And they haven't had big leads where they can commit to the run and punish teams yet. Yeah. Uh, I, the defense keeps playing like it's playing that those could come. Uh, but even like 15 carries, I mean, it's, it's a decent workload. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. The average could be a little better, only 56 yards. But, I mean, those 15 carries, uh, you're still going to get – you still get to beat up the defense a little bit, maybe not as much as you'd like. But, um, you know, over the course of a game, it does take its toll. Zach Kolaros was unspectacular. He had a 302-yard passing Weird. game. Yeah, but 21 of 32 and an interception. But that's kind of been the theme. Uh, a little bit here where they don't win. They don't win games because of that. Yeah, but he'll get it down to the goal line and they'll bring in the backup yeah. quarterback or they'll punch it in with the running back. Yeah. Uh, so they're not can, winning in spite of him either. He's just yeah. serviceable. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, Ellingson, Greg Ellingson continues to have pretty good chemistry. I think with Kolaris three for 73, Dembski, his biggest game of the season, six catches on seven targets for 96 yards, but ends up le- – that was basically all in the first half. Ends up leaving mm-hmm. in the third quarter with an injury. Man, if he goes down, Canadian injury, kind of the Swiss army knife of the bomber offense, yeah. that'll be tough if he's out for any period of time. Yeah, and I don't think a guy like Rishi Bailey is quite the skill set that Nick Dembski does. To, to fill in. He's got high hopes this year, but Bailey himself yeah. had 10 targets, only caught five of them. Yeah. That, well, yeah. And, you know, doesn't get involved that much in the run game backfield stuff, right? Uh, so, yeah, if Nick Dempsey's out for a long period of time, I think it changes how that offense has to run. Yeah. Uh, to a point, uh, unless they go a little more vertical or, you know, something like that with, with the personnel. But, yeah, Dempsey is actually a pretty big loss when you look at it, how that offense is structured. Dalton Schoen was also in my fantasy lineup. One catch hey, me too. on three targets, 16 yeah. yards. But when I was watching the game and Seontay Evans was on him for most of the game, I was like, ah, oh, damn it. How's that even fair? How's that allowed? <laughs> can I can I switch? Yeah. <laughs> I think Bomber fans will be happy to know Mark Leggio, three for three on field goals. And you know what? Big Willie Jefferson had the interception off of a deflection for a touchdown where, yeah, I, I know that Dane Evans threw two picks, but they but were the, both yeah. <laughs> they were both off of receivers' hands. And yeah. But, I mean, part of it, like you said, is kind of on him for throwing to his receivers when they might have been yeah. in compromising it's, positions. Yeah, he didn't throw it directly at a defender. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, there you go. Going to Winnipeg is never an easy place to go. It continues to be a tough place. And Zach Kalaros, if I'm not mistaken, has not lost do a it. home Don't game. Don't do it. Uh, did did it. I jinx it? Hopefully. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I don't like other people being happy. So. <laughs> the Saturday doubleheader started in Calgary. It was a beautiful day. For a football game, I got some more color on my arms, and uh, my wife was a little bit like a rotisserie chicken out there in the Calgary sun. But <laughs> I said, you got to rotate to get the even yeah. sunburn. <laughs> Don't I know it? Don't I know it? 
The Stabs come away with a 30-23 to 23 lead. We should note that it appears as of Sunday, the Elks have traded veteran offensive lineman Colin Kelly to the Ticats for a seventh-round pick. Elks continuing to make moves. We saw Shy Ross already in BC yeah. returning kicks. Um, there have been rumblings. Do, do you think, and it, it looks like a perfect match, that the Elks are going to call Danny Machocha and say, hey, is that Vernon Adams Jr. available? I Did I not say that? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I think you did. Yeah. And this um, Colin Kelly move clears up some more cap. Yeah, clears up cap. And I, Edmonton is, I wouldn't even call it a rebuild. I think it's a retool. And we've seen hockey teams do it. We've seen football teams in the NFL do it, where, you know, you're not selling everything, but you're picking the pieces that aren't going to work for you right now and bringing in the pieces that will. Um, this team is infinitely better than it was last year. It's way better than it was week one, better than it was against the Saskatchewan in week two. Um, they are improving. They're not winning games, and I know moral victories don't count for anything. But if you're the Elks or the Elks fans right now, you have to be optimistic. You you have to be happy with the way that this is going right now. So it's trending in the right direction. I think it was uh, a little bit of Dickinson mind games trying to mess with Chris Jones, saying that Bo was a game-time decision. I, I don't think that was ever the case. Well, maybe it I, was. No, maybe, I, I think he was going to play. Yeah, I just no matter hate what. that crap. I hate that crap because I, <laughs> I can't. Know, I, I, I so get it. So it, it just pisses me off. I get it. I, yeah. But, Coaches are like that. <laughs> and I, if if you're if you're Chris Jones, are you really going to worry about game planning for Jake Mayer? Maybe a little bit. But you're, you're focusing going to be on Bo. Because the game time decision, do you really want to split your reps 50-50 and then have Bo come in there and just torch you? No. Like, I mean, him, him and Lee Henry kind of did. But it could have been a hell of a lot worse had they not game plan for him at all. That being said, I was kind of fascinating with how the stamps were after the game. They seemed like they went out of their way to say that this Elks team is really mm-hmm. close. Yeah. And it looked like they really, they still have to play three more times. And yep. I know the stamps are on by before they go to Edmonton early in July. It looked like they really went out of their way not to have the Elks have any bulletin board material going to that July 7th game. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got three more games. You know that third and fourth game is going to be we, – we're going to hype it up, and it's yep. going to fall flat on its face. But <laughs> <laughs> um, No, yeah. And I don't know how much bulletin board material really matters, but you don't want to come out and say, "Yeah, yeah. we were ne- we were never worried when we were down. We we knew we were going to come back and be- beat this team. They're not any good. You d- you don't do that, mm-hmm. right? To begin with, so like I wasn't surprised, but for them to say like, "Yeah, the team is better. They're getting better." I didn't expect that. I expected the whole that they they get paid to their professional yeah, football yeah, players. Yeah, you know they 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 got they got a they got a, a family to feed. Like they're they're playing. They're getting paid. to play too but yep. yeah they, they it seems like they went a little out of their way to really you know lay it on but and i got no problem with that either mm-hmm. this is another game where the stamps were down in the first half mm-hmm. and they weren't down you know too far the 
This is much like Hamilton and Winnipeg, I thought, where the Elks had opportunities. And there was a really crucial moment in the first half where Ed Ganey forced a fumble, had the Elks in really good field position, and then it was just a quick two and out, and it was Calgary ball again. And you contrast that with the Cam Judge interception in the third quarter. He is so good. It's ridiculous. The very next play, Bo hits Malik Henry with a 28-yard touchdown pass that Mm -hmm. I don't think you could have thrown that any better. Nope. Actually, any of those, the throws he was making to Malik Henry, I can't be mad at the Elks' defense. He put them where only Henry could catch them, and the throw looked effortless. It did. Like, it there was just no way he was getting beat. This is like he was losing. 150th career start for Bo. Mm-hmm. 14th win against Edmonton in his career. And I I think that he's looked as good as he's ever yep. looked this year. He he's finally mm-hmm. healthy and what a difference compared to last year. Yeah, and he had the nagging injuries and he you know, and what after a year we thought his shoulder was mm-hmm. completely fine. Uh, that ended up being a problem. Then the leg thing, like we we were worried a little bit to start the year with the kind of nagging injuries that were kind of seemed to be popping up here and there. And Jake Mayer was getting some time, but he came out and looked like the old gunslinger on Saturday night. And it was a joy to watch as much as I despise the stabs. Um, that was, it was a clinic. It is so cool to watch Matty Arsenault do his thing. Uh, you wrote Bushwhacker Manny. All he has to do. Now I know in the post-COVID era, if you go lick somebody's face, it probably. <laughs> but I would love to still, see that. Still the greatest, the greatest Royal Rumble moment in history. Luke comes in, gets yeah. doesn't even miss a stride with the Bushwhacker walk, <laughs> thrown out, marches all the way out. Like how do you? <laughs> It's the best. But Manny was the one that had the big receiving game here. Yep. And he, and Vintage. he was making hard catches. We talk yeah. about guys being in the middle and that's where <laughs> where you're going to mm-hmm. pay the price. Manny was in mm-hmm. the middle of the field not showing any fear at all. It was awesome. So Manny's the kind of guy that we think he's been around the CFL forever, right? Yeah. Feels like, like as long it. as we can remember. Feels He's like. 34. He's our age. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance, yeah. No, you know I what? After this week, that. there is no chance. The hits that Winton McManus yeah. hit on James Butler, the oh. hit that Adam Big Hill hit on, I don't want to play. I am. How about the hit Bola Combo took from his own teammate? Yeah, Delvin Bro. Wow. Yeah. Don't come in contact with that guy's hip. He will just. No, I'm basically Rudy Giuliani at this point. If you slap me on the back, I'm charging you for assault. <laughs> Kenny the King Lawler had nine targets, but only three for 21. Yeah. Looked like he was fighting it a little bit, but mm-hmm. Manny was there to pick up the slack because even Darrell Walker only had three catches for 41 yards. It might have been yeah. a different game if uh, the Elks... I think they've been struggling a little bit with the running game, too. Uh, James Wilder had 11 carries for 45 yards. Hey, you're getting over four yards a carry. 
but they probably would have liked to have had more. But against the Stampeders front and their linebackers, it's a little bit easier said than done, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they're getting just over four yards to carry, but they're not converting those second downs. Yeah. At the rate at the rate you would like to see. And yeah. I mean, they only lost by a touchdown. Like things are turning around slowly but surely. Like, and this is not a make or break year for the Elks. I think yeah. we all know that. I think and I think their fan base realizes it. Uh, but they just they want to see improvement. They can't have a two or three win season. Um, you can if you're going to lose close games, I guess, and turn it around. But this, like, yeah, eleven carries not great from a guy that we've seen absolutely torch this league. Yep, and he, and can be a physical presence, uh, giving his team the the opportunity to convert those second downs. They're just not not doing it yet, and I think that's going to come. I think there, there's still there's still lots of changes to be made in Edmonton. Like it's of course it's a work in progress. Nick Arbuckle, he uh, just seems to always throw the uh, the badly the timed interception. Yeah, yeah, and that one to Cam Judge, which we already brought up, just kind of changed it. I mean, on the next yeah. play when Bo hits Henry, that it was like, well, it's, here we go. That's that's just. Slashing your tires—that's taking all the momentum, yeah, out that you that you had going in, and it's it's deflating. It's you just you're playing defeated after that, or can't, I, I don't want to say that it looked like they played defeated, but I think it was in the back of their minds. Like, it's like what do we got to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Twenty of thirty-one, two hundred and twenty-five yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Bo goes twenty-one of twenty-eight. With a touchdown, 321 yards, and Malik Henry getting 173 of those yards. That's more than what he had in his career coming in. Wow. Last year, he played nine. He dressed for nine games, had catches in five of them, 11 catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns. This year, he's played in all three, has 12 catches for 238 and two touchdowns. <laughs> He had 124 yards, 124 career yards last year. And then what do you have in game one this year? 65 and 124. Yeah, he basically doubled his career numbers coming into that game. Also, Sean Lemon playing himself right into a trade if he was on a worse. <laughs> well, oh, what do you say about Sean Lemon? He is only he he's only 33, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think there were times when some people around the league may have thought he was done. He just gets cut out of Edmonton. And how he's played in Calgary over the past less than a year, yeah. he came out in the third quarter, and I said to Taylor, I said, where was this Sean Lemon in the first half? <laughs> they came out yeah. after halftime. He he was a different – they were a different – he was a different player. They were a different team. It was – yeah, he had two massive plays early in the third quarter, yeah. and and the whole tide of the game changed a little bit here. I, I think when you when you look at uh, the punting here, I think Edmonton, I, and that's a big part of I think what kept them in it for as long as they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Matt Mengel? That's a great question. But anyway, he had six punts. And averaged 51.8 yards. James Smith for the Stamps, five punts, 191 yards. He averaged just over 38. He had a couple rough ones. 
And I think they had Cody Grace practicing last week. So I think that will be a welcome addition to the Stamps lineup for the Stampeders after they get back from by. And that'll be big for them. It was it was cool to see uh, Jalen Philpot uh, contribute. Uh, the rookie played where he played his university ball, had a seven yard carry, an eight yard catch. Reggie Bagleton had a big thirty seven yard beautiful catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kamar Jordan, Jordan only had four for twenty, but those guys, like <laughs> like. They just made uh, opened up all that space for Malik Henry and Bull made yeah. the throws and that was the game. And we, we talk about it all the time where, you know, the, the guys further down the depth chart, so to speak, you know, they, they get the opportunities because those guys like Bagleton and Jordan attract the, the number one and number two cover guys. And these guys are able to find, you know, the weak spots and zones and, and maybe they have, you know, the third best, fourth best cover guy, man coverage guy. Like it opens up a lot of opportunities. And when teams, when they start to burn guys, that opens up the opportunities for the other guys because they switch up some stuff. Maybe they start covering Millie Kennedy a little different, opens up stuff for Kamar. And sometimes Calgary just picks one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who's <laughs> it going to be this week? Yeah. Burnt me this week. Yeah. <laughs> Kadeem Carey, 19 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. So a nice day for Kadeem Carey. Last game of the week was <laughs> the BC Lions destroying the Toronto Argonauts 40 halftime 44 to 3. Whoa. But <laughs> I guess I'll say this, early in the game is the best BC Lions defense a great BC Lions offense? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> It like, very well could be. So we go through these drives. The the first one oh. was a touchdown pass to Brian Burnham. Which was unreal. How is Burnham that wide open? I I, I don't know if I'll be it's able to figure Nathan works that good, like, let's yeah, be honest. that's true. Eight, <laughs> so eight plays, 68 yards, uh, four minutes off the clock. And then Toronto follows that up. And I think this is what just changed the game because they have an eight-play, 74-yard drive, three shots to go into the end mm-hmm. zone from the one, stuffed. Derek Taylor probably loved that, that they went for it. You think but you Toronto's take the on, points that early in Toronto, the game? Toronto's on the road, take the points. Well, I thought they probably should have given Harris the shot more than once. Or that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we've talked about this guy. He's the best, what would you call it? Supplemented running back <laughs> in the league right now. I thought now. you were coming up with something serious. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> Not when it comes to him. Uh, but yeah, to only give him one shot, that's, I don't know about that call. Like, I, I might have given him all three. So, uh, yeah, exactly. After that, Nine minutes burned off of the clock in the first quarter. BC follows that up, taking over at the one. Ten plays, <laughs> 95 yards. What is Five. happening in BC right now? 522 taken off the clock, and it ends uh, with a Sean White field goal. 10-0 BC after the first quarter. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson wasn't playing bad. He 
uh, I don't think he had a terrible game. They, they really obviously didn't get into the flow mm-hmm. that the Lions did, but 15 of 21 for 178 yards in an interception, it was a little mm-hmm. bit different than we saw because earlier this season, this was only their second game, they were able to get the running game going with Andrew Harris, and this, this game had didn't happen. Seven carries for 27 yards. And when Harris isn't going, I'm not sure if the Argos are going to get going. And, and their receiving core is pretty good right now, too, with some big names not in there. So yeah. it's it kind of, I don't want to say it hampers or it takes away options. Um, and we just haven't seen the guys they have in there really perform. Like Brandon Banks isn't the Brandon Banks he was in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Right. I Eric Rogers not say. playing. Eric Rogers not not playing. DeVaris Daniels, 304 for 60, okay. Curly Gittins Jr., not really a factor in the offense. Like, I know they travel. It, it's always tough. Yeah. The East team traveling across the country, it's a late start. That I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, for them, it's 10 o'clock. Like, mm-hmm. just body clock-wise, right? And, like, like Saskatchewan, if I'm Saskatchewan, I, I don't know what the league rules are on this. I would have left Sunday or Monday. I know it's expensive, but this whole flying out the night, the, the day, the morning or the afternoon before the game, like you're, you're not giving your body a chance. Like, it's yeah. tough. And Toronto, I think I looked at it. They the they won two games in a row in like eighteen or eighteen or seventeen, eighteen or sixteen and seventeen in BC. Other than that, it's pretty dismal. Yeah, it's always been like, tough. It's, it's, a, it's a tough go. It's a tough yeah. go going across time zones like that. I mean, do we really need to talk about anybody other than Nathan Rourke? The the perfect mm, passer yeah. rating? Do- Dominic Rhymes. Well, yeah. Rourke <laughs> goes 39 of 45, four touchdowns, 436 like, yards, the record for passing yards by a Canadian quarterback. Is this silly to talk about? He he was only born in 1998, man. He's 24. If this lasts for the rest of the year, does the NFL come calling? Bo gave it a shot. He was already older than Nathan Rourke. Yeah. But I think if Bo said, hey, if I'm not if getting the If they do, play, you have to go. Yeah, if 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 you do, I think you got to go. But at the same time, does he want to go up there, sit on a PR? I think that's a big. We'll see. He's he's younger than a lot of the quarterbacks we've seen in the CFL. Give mm-hmm. the NFL a shot. Um, and look, it's it's only it's his fourth CFL start. I I know, but sixty five of seventy four, seven hundred and eighteen yards, seven touchdowns through two games. It's been absolutely this is ridiculous. That's what it is. It's video game numbers through the first two weeks. But uh, I I was watching uh, the BC Lions on their YouTube channel. Actually, there's a lot of great content that the teams are doing right now. The Argos have on their YouTube channel the Pull Together series. The Elks had the Go Elks. The uh, Amps have Natasha Stanishevsky. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, She was uh, hosting at the stadium. Uh, the behind the R red black stuff, the arrow up stuff from the Lions, just the work that Rourke is putting in. He's there 
he's he's figured it out. Like he's got it. And I know it's yeah. only and, two games, yeah. so it sounds stupid to be <laughs> saying this. I used this. to know. I used to be with it. And then they changed what it was. <laughs> the work ethic, the attitude. They talked about it on the broadcast. Like he is first one in. He leaves at seven at like seven p.m. He leaves, gets all the extra work, and he can. And he mentioned that he doesn't take it home with him. He goes yeah. home. It's not football time. Uh, which is amazing considering, and they talked about it too. He doesn't have a family, he doesn't have kids, a wife. Like, if he wanted to, he could. But he's like, no, I, I need, he needs his own space away from football. And that's, I think that's probably going to, like, you look at a guy like Tom Brady who just never stopped or never stops, like, you know, it seems. Yeah, he's got all those Super Bowls and, and things like that. And I, I don't, like, I watched that <clears throat> man in the arena. It looks like his family is fine. And that, that's not for everybody either. Mm-hmm. And if he were to do it now, would be the time that he could and get super established and be eat, breathe, sleep football. But he just doesn't. He doesn't feel the need to because he's getting in all that extra work because he has the time to do it, mm-hmm. and he wants to do it. Yeah. And now the Lions are reaping the benefits. I. It's hard not to feel like we're watching something really special here, man. And th- I just don't want it to end. I know th- this could be the biggest story of the season. And I, I know that it was only week three. Like I thought that maybe they wanted the temper, the pressure and the expectation on Rourke going into the year. But after performing, I, I like think this, they did too, but then he did this. Yeah. <laughs> now I think the pressure is, it's more. It's a good thing there was nobody there to watch. It's a good thing there was nobody in the stadium to watch it. <laughs> so pretty soon, back. probably takes a little bit of pressure off. Pretty soon, it's gonna be, they're going to be they're going to be hot tickets. You would think. I think so. And if they're not in BC, they will be for the away games. It's like when Doug Flutie would come to town, right? There's an Elks game on the schedule Friday night in October that I wasn't going to go to, but now I kind of want to. Rejig my holidays to see if I could go. <laughs> yeah, as, as I completely in, understand that. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you can really compare like would be what Doug Flutie. And I don't know how much he really moved the needle for fa- like when he when he goes on the road. Yeah, yeah. Like it, he's going to put butts in the seats. Right. It's been remarkable. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean. And but in the process, the only problem is now is that he's so high. He's up so high. I know. If he has a bad game, I know. it's just going to feel like he plummeted down there. Like it's, it is. So we got to stay realistic when it comes to this thing. Yeah. And like I said, if he's they go winning to, MOP, MOC, they're going 18 and 0. They're winning the Great Cup. Like it's. And I'll change my himself. my special teams pick to Chandler Worthy. He's clearly a, a, a dominant yeah, force. <laughs> Remember when the Elks were like the worst special teams team in the league? Yeah. Well, now those are the good old days. If Rourke and the Lions go to Ottawa on this short week and smash Ottawa, I don't think they will. And if they do, no. like whoa. my gut pick is Ottawa. But me too. Yeah, with the way Rourke is playing, just yeah. because of the short week and everything, but with the way Rourke is playing, it's so hard to pick against. I know. 
I know. James Butler. It's going to be a stressful Wednesday. <laughs> Butler ends up leaving this game after six carries, 39 yards. So he had over six yards of carry, but mm-hmm. absolutely smashed by Winton McManus. It was shoulder to the chest. Yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. it was, and and that's was one of the more spectacular things about this game for the Lions, too. They lose Burnham, Butler, and Lacombo. Starting impact players, and they still made everything look so easy against the Argos. Mm-hmm. And this is a Lions team that released Micah Alway, which I think is a good starting caliber linebacker in the CFL. And well, that's why he got that's why he got released. So he wanted to start. Yeah, Lacumbo and Williams, they're Canadian and yep. they're impact players. Uh, the Lacumbo one was scary. It was just yeah. friendly fire trying to make a play yeah. on the ball and, you know, Delvin Bros making a play as well. And it, but it, it's just one of those, it just looked harmless, you know? Yeah. It didn't, I mean, the result wasn't, but just getting knocked out cold on just such an innocent play. Yeah. And he was fighting to get up, like, and apparently. I mean, that's a good of, sign. That's a good sign and a bad sign. Like, I, I don't know. know. As of Sunday, they're saying all he's got is a sore jaw and he's a possibility for Thursday. That sounds crazy to me. But Peyton Logan for the stand. You spend less time in concussion protocol than you do on the COVID list. But honestly, I don't get it. Peyton Logan knocked out cold by Tunde Adelike in Hamilton and he played the next week. (laughs) Yeah. Two weeks, two knockouts. If you can pass, you pass the baseline. I mean, how. I don't know. <laughs> and Brian Burnham, it looks like he's got fractured ribs. Uh, another one of those things kind of looks like an innocent mm-hmm. play, but you land wrong or a shoulder hits wrong, and there goes the ribs. So he, he's, Lucky Whitehead got banged up. Yeah, ankle. Yeah, yeah. So Burnham's going to miss some time. Lucky probably going to be questionable in Ottawa, I would guess. Man, David Mackey came in. Did he not have a career carry? In four CFL seasons, and he gets 16 for 90 and a touchdown. His team was loving it. Yeah, I mean, he's a fullback. I know. <laughs> like, he hasn't had, he hasn't had a career carry except for last or Saturday night. Like wow. it's ridiculous. Wow. 5.6 average, not bad. <laughs> So we'll see what the running back situation looks like in the Thursday nighter. Uh, William Powell will be playing for the Red Blacks, it does look like. But if Butler can't go, we'll see what they do. I know they brought in uh, Brian Hill, uh, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. We'll see if he gets some carries in Ottawa this week. But you Just hopefully, they, hopefully they don't go up 28-3. Yeah. <laughs> Javon Katoy had seven catches, nine targets, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Keon Hatcher, seven catches, eight targets, 68 yards. Dominic Rimes, Mm -hmm. eight for eight, 143 yards, two touchdowns. Lucky Whitehead, nine of 10, 87 yards. Seven different receivers had caught the ball in the first two series. Yeah. I don't know what else there is to say about this BC Lions offense, at least at home, playing the Argos yeah. and the Elks. It was just a clinic. And 
that's the thing. I think we need to temper expectations a little bit. I mean, you're playing the Elks, who we kind of knew what they were coming into the year. And then you get Toronto uh, flying across the country. So it's yeah. like you're getting both teams' A games. We'll see what happens. Ottawa coming off a bye. Yeah. They're at home. They're going to have – they're in tough uh, come Thursday night. A remarkable performance by the BC Lions again. <laughs> what was a One hundred, money. A hundred and three points through two weeks, giving up eighteen. Am I? Am I? Do I got that math right? That sounds about right. <laughs> they what they what they score against fifty nine against Edmonton. Edmonton. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. This might be the Ten greatest show on nice, turf. Is that there. the the St. Louis Rams with uh, Marshall Falk Her and the boys? And, Tori yeah. and Holt and Fall, yeah. Yeah, this... Uh, they almost got beat. They almost got beat. That's true. But Look at the they, time they of possession in this game. The Lions had it for 40 <laughs> minutes and 8 seconds. Yeah. If I'm... I don't know what you do yeah. if you're in Argo. Who's winning the East? Who's winning the East? Well, and that's... Is it Montreal? <laughs> Trav, I'm serious. Ottawa's still in this. Well, it could be Ottawa. They, they lost two games to the Bombers. Who do they yeah. look like against... The East is a combined two and eight? Two and eight? Well, the West has three undefeated teams. Calgary, Winnipeg, BC are undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> Ten and four, I think, is the combined record for the West. That includes yeah. the Elks like, that have three of those losses. Yeah, and the Riders have the other one. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Wow. Like, the East is like if if this is I don't know if this is what Toronto is. Like they had it was a tough week for them. Yeah. But even Chad Kelly comes in and gets absolutely smashed. Smashed. And the yeah. fourth. Like Throws this, a pick. Yeah. The, what a physical game yeah. uh, this was and not dirty stuff. No, uh, and that's, and you mentioned without Mike Alway. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most BC, physical. BC yeah. can still bring it. Yep. CFL Podcast Fantasy League. You had a, we both had tough scores, identical scores. I was on by. You had a loss to Joe Pritchard of Rouge, White, and Blue. So congrats to Ooh. Joe. Uh, who are the top performers in fantasy other than Nathan Rourke and Dominic Rhymes and company? <laughs> <laughs> so Nathan Rourke, get this, 34.9 points. Led the way for quarterbacks. Bo with second, 17.1. Doubled the next yeah. quarterback. Yeah, and then Trevor Harris, 14.5. Arbuckle at 11.2. And Zach at 10.1. Overall, it was pretty below average week other than Rourke. It was, <laughs> it was not It was not pretty for, for quarterbacks whatsoever. Uh, David Mackey led the way running back-wise, 18.4. Kadeem wow. Carey, 18.2. Yeah, Kadeem Carey, 18.2. James Wilder, 11.9. Oliveira, 11.6. Sean Thomas Erlington top five with 10.9. Now the fun part, um, there was three BC Lions in the top six for fantasy <laughs> points this week. Uh, Dominique Grimes, 34.3. Malik Henry, 
Bushwhacker Manny at 22.9, <laughs> Duke at 20.1, tied with Katoy, uh, and then Lucky Whitehead at 18.3. And like you said, Nick Dembski in one half of football, basically 15.6. We need uh, somebody talented with Photoshop to uh, get Bushwhacker Manny in with uh, Luke and yeah. Butch. Um, <laughs> Ch- Chandler Worthy was top 10. Wow. And with 14.2. And he didn't do anything on offense, did he? Just nope. special teams. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what a week three, man. What a week it three. It was something. <laughs> the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation is hosted and produced by Andrew Paul and Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe to the Well Endowed Podcast at the Well Endowed Podcast. Tune out. We'll be back on Thursday to get you ready for week four and the Canada Day long weekend. And Brazilian Thai will be able to make it to preview week four. You're going to be home for this week or what? Yes, sir. Probably the last. And then my four and one probably starts. So that should be fun. I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. Sorry, buddy. I'm glad that you're the one that said it first. It was a game of chicken. <laughs> yeah. Chicken or go. That's, that's a deep reference. Rate, review, and subscribe to Do It Out on your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you in a few days. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.